0: And so we're very excited to hear his heart on this and to learn from him in this area and be challenged again. So let's stretch our hands towards Eddie now and and just pray for him as he brings the word. Father, we thank you that we know that there is no other firm foundation that we can stand upon in this world other than your word. Everything else is sinking sand. So Lord, as we come to this part of our worship service, we recognize that this is every bit as much worship as when we sing together. And Lord, we pray that you would anoint this man, your servant, afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would give him utterance to share your word, not just in truth, but in power, and that this word would go forth and would bear fruit in our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Gray. Thank you very much. And uh, oh, yeah, this is awkward. <laughs> okay, th- this is uh, yeah the, la- the second part of the, uh, the word I gave on prayer. Um, it's from uh, you know the uh, I think it was the Sermon on the Mount, but it was one of one of the, it may not have been, but it was certainly. Um, one day, um, from our, the text I'm taking from is chapter 11 of Luke. Um, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then he said, Jesus said, um, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it it is in heaven. And uh, I sort of made the point that it's basically not the kind of prayer that we think of when we think of prayer normally. This is uh, basically, um, it's stating the fact that we're in a battle and uh, the battle is between earth and heaven. And that uh, we uh, are made aware that uh, God is in heaven and in heaven God is obeyed fully. Here on earth, God is not obeyed fully. Um, There may be pockets where he's obeyed, but by and large, God is not obeyed in the world. And um, God's kingdom exists fully in heaven but it doesn't exist fully on earth. And so we are to pray for God's kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. And we're involved in a spiritual battle and and prayer is a large part of that spiritual battle that's going on right now. And so, um, and then he goes on to talk of uh, three types of prayer. And he, he binds them all together with the idea of boldness and persistence. And then I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to, I'm going to speak about a, a, uh, a concept of prayer defined by um, a Christian from China called Watchman knee And the, the name of the book that I'm looking at, it's only a thin book like that, uh, no more than about 150 pages. And... Um, it's called sit, walk, stand, and it defines the three areas that we are to um, live and walk in uh, and be aware of in our spiritual battle. So um, the three, uh, the three types of pair that Jesus mentions from that point on uh, in Luke um, Luke eleven nine verse, uh, verse nine and ten. It says, so I say to you, after he's taught them how to pray, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a you know, statement of, of, that we can believe on in faith. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Do you remember the, uh, the uh, word that Graham gave from Mark, I think it was a week or two ago, about the sons of thunder coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we want you to promise that you will seat us on your right hand and your left hand in the kingdom of God. And uh, Jesus said, well, I'm not sure I can give you that assurance. That's not mine to give. That's the Father. But um, I can, I, you can, can you, um, can you take of the cup that I'm about to take? That was his his uh, his betrayal in the Garden of Eden. And can you drink the cup that I'm about to take? And uh, they said, yes, we can. Uh, full of confidence, but Jesus said, "Yeah, well, okay, you can do that, but, but I can't promise you that because that's not mine, to to give." And so they came and asked Jesus, and this is the thing about asking that, um, you know, as children, as as far, sorry, as parents, we want our children to feel free to come and ask us. For things. We may not give it to them, you know. I um, Can I have an ice cream? No, you had one 10 minutes ago. But, you know, we can come and ask. And just as Jesus didn't turn against the sons of Boanerges when they came and asked him if he could seat them at his right hand and left hand, um, he just as, as he did that, you know. We can't promise that that God will answer every prayer straight away or in a a positive way. So Jesus uh, also in asking, about asking, he says, um, he links asking prayers for asking for the Holy Spirit. And uh, there are many, many Christians, I believe, who have accepted him in faith, um, but they've never really um, been asked for the Holy Spirit or they've never asked for the Holy Spirit. And so um, that whole area of of experience uh, has not been theirs. But you can ask God for the Holy Spirit. You can ask him for the Holy Spirit. As Jesus says um, in Luke 11, verse 11 onwards, if a, a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will he, he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God gives us good things God gives us nourishing things he doesn't give us poison he gives us good things and he says you can come to God and ask him if you have any anything that you need and uh, so let's be clear though about this um, asking for the Holy Spirit there's two forms of the of the Holy Spirit that we experience as christians the the first form is the indwelling spirit of god and and that you know that's different to this outpouring of the spirit when we ask for the holy spirit for anointing for something and uh, the indwelling spirit uh, when when we repent and ask jesus to come into our lives god Takes a piece of His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, and He puts it within us. And uh, it's this indwelling Spirit that you'll experience at all times, and it'll be the same at the end of your life as it is at the beginning. It will be, in in fact, it might be even stronger. Your sense of God's presence with you—that's the indwelling Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit now is living within you. It's the new spirit that Ezekiel mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 11. Where he says, I, I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh. So God will give you a piece of his Holy Spirit when you become a Christian and then there's the outpoured spirit which we need when we're about to do something for God because uh, God says not by might not nor by power or human and devil but by my spirit that will I build my house so whenever we do anything for the Lord whether it be witnessing outside or in the church, when we come together, we need an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and that's the outpoured Spirit. And uh, at Pentecost, the disciples were praying in, in the upper room. They call it the upper room. We don't know if it was an upper room, I think it was, but I think that's mentioned somewhere in Scripture. But they were praying in this room, and, um, and then uh, suddenly the, the Holy Spirit came and they, they saw tongues of fire on each other's head. And they, they instantly started speaking in other languages, other tongues that they hadn't learned. And then it was so powerful that they, they drifted out into the streets and they were they were sort of speaking about the great things that God has done uh, on the streets of Jerusalem. And there were many people because it was Passover and many people had come from all parts of the Roman Empire uh, to, to worship God at that time. And so those who had come from one part said, We hear them speaking in our language, other parts, they heard them speaking in their language. And, and they were all talking about the, the deeds of God and what, how, how great God was. And, um, and then Peter, it says, uh, stood up and, and, and he started preaching about what was happening. And he told them exactly what was happening, and 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 they became convicted of their sin about how they treated God's anointed one, and he was on a cross, and and died on a cross, and and Jesus said, this this man that you you you, um, you put on a cross, he has risen from the dead, and he's with us now, and and their hearts were were touched and they said what must we do to be saved and 3000 souls were saved that day because the disciples had this anointing and they just couldn't they couldn't contain it and it spilled out into the streets and that's what we pray for all the time that the the anointing that we and the blessing that we get in these meetings will be able to take out onto the streets and uh, so um, in a, and then in church meetings we, we should pray for anointing we should pray because Paul talks about when the church comes together he says each one of you has a, has a hymn or, or a word from God and, and pray for that say Lord have you got a word for me to share this morning when I come into the meetings and uh, you know ask for God's anointing ask for an outpouring of the spirit on you that, uh, and God might just give you a, a word from, from the Bible, a, a message from the Bible that you can stand up. Every, every week there's a, a microphone out here and if you want to have a, a word and you want to share it with the rest of the congregation, you can just come down and pick that mic up and then whoever's leading the meeting will stop the proceedings and give you a chance to let you share what God has put on your heart and, it, you know... It could be anything, because, um, you know, let's let's start with, with, with words from Scripture, yeah? Ask God to give you a Scripture to share. And as, as you do that, you'll find that many things start to tie up in the service. And this one, what that one says, agreed with what that one said. And people can, can see that God's in charge of things when we let his Holy Spirit lead us in that way. So, um, you know, you, you might have tongues uh, in, in a meeting. If a tongue is, some, some uh, you know, places, they do have people who pray out in tongues in a meeting. And whenever that happens, that means that somebody in the meeting has an interpretation of that tongue. And so, uh, if you get a, a tongue in a meeting, don't, don't move on quick, you know, wait for the interpretation of it. And if there's nobody there who does it, then the person who gives the tongue should also give the interpretation uh, so that everything's done in order. It doesn't need to be like craziness. But um, then, you, you know, when, when there are public tongues in worship, that will build up. That will build up the body of Christ. But you can also use tongues in your own private life, your own private prayer life, and that will build up your spirit. And I, I knew that for ages, but I haven't been doing it. And recently, I've come back to doing that, spending time just praying in tongues uh, as often as I can in the morning. And um, and I've begun to to feel the Holy Spirit in a new way again, in a powerful way. So, you know, that's a that's a good thing to know. Um, in tongues, in uh, in meetings as well, um, we we should expect to be getting words of prophecy, words of knowledge. That means God speaks something that you, you don't know uh, in your mind, in your experience, uh, but it can touch people. Um, I know, Graham, you, you used to have, you've had a few words for people when you've been out witnessing and that it sort of grabbed their attention, yeah? Um, and, and it's a powerful thing. Uh, we, you, you can have gifts of healing you can have um, gifts of faith. The Bible talks about, even talks about miracles. You know, we're we waiting, we're waiting for those. And um, there is another one, uh, discernment of spirits. And um, Paul demonstrated this one uh, in uh, in the book of Acts when um, he was in, I think it was Philippi, or walking around preaching. And there was a lady who was walking with him, and she kept saying something like, uh, Listen to Paul preaching. He's preaching about the true God. And, you know, you'd think, Well, that sounds all right. But there was something that was niggling Paul all the time because it wasn't that woman who was prompting her to say that. It was some demonic spirit. And so Paul said, You know, be silent. And um, she stopped doing it. And then. you know, he just carried on preaching. But sometimes the right word sounds like the right words, but it's, it's coming from the wrong source. So discernment of spirits is very much uh, a needed anointing of the, the outpoured spirit. So, you know, and when you're outside, when you're talking to people on the streets, I know that you can, you can ask for the anointing God and he'll give you the right words to say. And sometimes you'll say something and it'll touch a person and they'll, they'll get convicted of sin because it's the Holy Spirit who convicts people of sin and then they'll they'll ask you to pray for them. But there's all kinds of things that God wants to pour out on us as a church, as his people, all these wonderful gifts uh, of anointing. Um, think about it, you know, that... Uh, the word Messiah means anointed one. And then uh, people who believed in Christ came to be known as Christians. So, you know, you could take that, they, they're called anointed ones. It should be a mark upon us about what we believe in. That people think what they're saying is a bit supernatural, it's not, it's not coming from them, it's coming from God. And then Jesus said, You know, they said, Seek and you will find. Well, there's <clears throat> lots of things we can seek for um, God's presence at all times, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, all the, the gifts of the Spirit, seek and you will find. And then he says, Knock and the door will be open to you. Again, all these things, it could be. What would, you, what would be a, a, a thing that you could knock for? Well, sometimes in life you need, you need things and you seem to be having a hard time getting them. For instance, a job, um, finance for something. Well, those are the situations where you can knock. You feel that uh, it's being resisted. And, and the devil does resist uh, good things coming to God's people. So you need to knock. And uh, the door will be opened. Um, The need, then Jesus ties these three things, ask, seek, and knock. He ties them up with uh, another, another thing, which is to pray with persistence and boldness. So the words that Jesus uses there for ask, seek, and knock, it means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And uh, you'll find that, you know, that, that's what Jesus means when he says, ask, seek, and find. Keep on doing it. And we, do it with boldness and persistence. And uh, Jesus give a, a gives a little parable then um, about praying with boldness and persistence. And he says, suppose... You have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the, the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And he says, I tell you, even though he will not get up, and give you the bread because of friendship yet because of your persistence and boldness he will surely get up and give you as much as you need so there's an argument for praying with boldness and persistently uh, for things so ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking and and do it boldly and now I'm going to talk about these three um, areas of prayer, pre, three postures of prayer, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm going from a book called Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee, um, which was basically the book that, that was compiled from notes that w- had been taken by Christians listening to Watchman Knee. Uh, during his time of preaching and they compiled all those notes and they put together and they got this book out of it and his take on, on uh, this sit, walk, stand uh, approach to prayer is that um, first sit uh, is our position in Christ and that's from Ephesians verse chapter 1 to 3 And then, out of that comes the walk phase of it, and that's from chapters 4 to 6, and then we get to stand against the wiles of the devil, and that is from chapter 6, verse 10 onwards. And uh, Watchman Nee was a a pastor of a large group of uh, churches that he created uh, in the early part of the uh, 20th century. And um, so his books are really good. Let me recommend them to you. There's this one, Sit, Walk, Stand. There's another one that is really one that would I would recommend anybody to read called The Normal Christian Life. And it, you know, it sounds a bit old-fashioned now the way he writes or the way they write. Uh, but um, I recommend these to you. They're fundamental, uh, I think, in understanding what it is to be a Christian. Um, Also, something that I would say at the beginning is that um, some Christians prefer one or other of these various areas of prayer. Some prefer the sitting part. Um, When Jesus uh, was coming into Jerusalem for the the last time, he stopped at a house of two sisters called Martha and Mary. And... um, Martha was a busy one. She was the one who was preparing the food. And uh, Mary was the more contemplative sister. And she was sitting, listening to every word that Jesus said. And um, Martha said, Lord, I'm doing all the work here. Can you tell my sister to get up and help me? You know." And, uh, and Jesus just, um, he said, um, Martha, you are tra- uh, you, you're careful. And troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, uh, which will not be taken away from her. So basically, Jesus was saying, "That's okay. You know, that's the way she is, and and that's the better part. That's the better position to take." So, you know, we can. So there are people who who prefer to that that more contemplative aspect of prayer and the ones who are you know in the daily business of things want to get things done which is the walk side of things and there's also people who get get um, interested in maybe a little too interested in the stand part of it and they get uh, they, they see like demons under every stone sort of thing and get carried away with it but we should we we need to be taking every part of these three things and doing doing that in our lives. So we sit, we walk and we stand in our prayer lives. So looking at sit then, um, Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And uh, Ni nee says about this phase, if at the outset we try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. For Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. Thus, Ephesians opens with the statement that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And we are invited at the very outset to sit down and enjoy what God has already done for us, not to set out to try to attain it for ourselves. The Christian life from start to finish is based upon this principle of utter dependence on the Lord Jesus. There's no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow on us. He will give us everything, but we can receive none of it except as we rest in him. And this is paradoxical but true, that we can only advance in the Christian life as we learn, first of all, to sit down. And the second phase is walk. Ephesians chapter 4 onwards, says, Paul says, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You were taught with regard to your form of way of life, To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Galatians 2.20 touches on this as well. Um, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me." And these says of this phase of the Christian walk, we have sought to make it clear that the Christian experience does not begin with walking, but with sitting. But it does not end with sitting. Though the Christian life begins with it, sitting is always followed by walking. Setting, sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenly places, Walking is the practical outworking of that heavenly position here on earth. The Apostle Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, beseech you to walk worthily of the calling to which you were called, with all lowliness and meekness. That you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk, but that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Walk in love even as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Walking is the practical outworking of that heavenly position on earth. Our our walk is about our relationships, whether they be at home, work, church, or wherever we happen to be as we go about our daily lives. How can we walk in love at all times? It seems impossible on a human level, and it is. So you know I mean how how can we um, love people in all you know in all situations? There are always those people uh, who who uh, we can 't get on with or for some reason or irritate us uh, or we feel uncomfortable with, uh, but we are called to walk in love with those as well, and the only way I can approach that is by faith in what God has already done in me, um, because you know when when uh, when we were born, uh, of our you know at the first birth that we had, we were born um, into a fallen creation, and we were born as members of of Adam's heritage. And so we, we were born with an, uh, an aptitude for sin. We, we gr- drift gradually towards sin. But our sin, our, our, our bodies, our flesh, will always be captivated by sin. Um, the Bible calls it our flesh. And um, we... That, that spirit that we had originally is broken. It, it can't communicate with God anymore. But the spirit that he puts within us is, is God. So we have God there all the time now. And um, you know, our, But we're still walking, even after we become Christians, in our old bodies. And, and that, that body and that spirit... Um, are fallen and they keep sinning, they keep on falling into sin and that that flesh will never stop wanting to sin until it returns to the earth. But um, the sin, you know, the flesh is a sin factory and, and it will never be restored or renewed. And... Um, that's not what is going to be renewed. Anything happens renewal-wise, it will be in our minds. Let your minds be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And basically what we have to do as Christians in our walk is, is to let start doing what your spirit wants you to do. And denying, ignoring what the flesh wants you to do. So it's, it's a simple matter of taking the right advice from, from that point on that you become a Christian. You, start, have to, you have to start listening to what the Spirit says. The Spirit says, I want you to love that person. Then you have to love them, even though you feel that you can't do it. And you've got to remember that uh, Paul says in, in Philippians 4 verse 12, I can do all things through Christ Christ. Who strengthens me and um, that was that was a verse that was given to me when I first got baptized at Brandall Baptist Church not not as a baby and uh, I came up out of the water and um, John wh- who, who uh, was the pastor of that church uh, whispered that verse into my mind um, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so that stayed with me for, for ever since so, you know, I live my life and I, I, I choose to believe that I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that therefore, I say, okay, I'll do what you tell me to, although I don't feel able to. And as I do it, I find that he gives me the strength to do it. And you'll find that also. And then... So Paul moves on then uh, in chapter Ephesians chapter 6 to talk about standing. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Christian experience begins with sitting and leads to walking, but it does not end with these. Every Christian must also learn to stand. Each one of us must be prepared for this kind of spiritual conflict. I remember when I went to Birmingham Bible College in the early 70s, it was the first time I'd come across the idea that there is more than the indwelling spirit and that we could pray for the outpoured Holy Spirit for spiritual gifts and power. And um, a person in the same dormitory as me prayed for me the same night that I got there uh, to, to be filled with the spirit, and as he, as he was praying, I was thinking oh, nothing's going to happen and then suddenly something did start to happen, and I felt uh, like an overwhelming joy come to me and a kind of warmth in my in my body, in my spirit and uh, and, and a great big grin came over my face. I could feel it um, but you know. I thought, wow, this, this is it. But I didn't do anything. There was no no tongues or anything. Um, and, and, but I did have a battle about tongues for, for some weeks. Um, you know, how do you do it? You know, does it just happen? Does God just come and take you over? Or do you have to start doing something yourself? Um, didn't know what to say. But eventually, um, I heard uh, one of the lecturers uh, was giving uh, his own experience of this, Uh, and he said, you know, he was filled with the Spirit, but he he couldn't speak in tongues, and he tried for weeks but couldn't do it. And then he said, eventually, um, he was uh, letting his cat out uh, of the door for, uh, you know, in the in the evening, and uh, he used to call the cat back. And he said, "I used to use this strange sort of language, you know, <laughs> He's saying like, come on, kitty, kitty, kitty,' you know." And and he said, as he was doing that, that um, he, he felt the spirit come on him, and he started speaking in tongues from from his language of calling the cat in, you know. So it's it, it's not all that, you know, it's not so. It's just like an everyday thing, really. Um, and so, you know. I, I did something similar. Basically, I got the message that you just start doing it. And as you do it, the Holy Spirit comes and, and touches it. So, you know, and then, you know, I was, I was learnt that you do actually learn it. You learn how to pray in tongues. That's the way it works. It's, it's, a, it's a combination of you and the Holy Spirit. It's not one or the other. Uh, so you know, it, I mean, it's it's a gift. If you think of it like a gift, like a, you know, I remember when I was a child get being given a gift of a bike, bicycle, very, you know, small one, a very cheap one, but it was a bicycle, and um, and I had to learn how to how to enjoy it, and the gifts of the spirit are like that. You have to learn how to do them. You have to learn how to get on the bike and, and and try it. You fall off a few times, it doesn't feel comfortable, you feel out of your your, your depth, you feel, um, you know, it, it, this is not hot, not easy. But you, as you do it, as you get on the bike and try it, you learn how to do it, and then you think, how did I ever not know how to do this? And it becomes part of your life. That's all it is. It's no big deal, really, learning how to, do things in the spirit just like do anything in the spirit and um, you know so I enjoyed that, it was such a powerful experience and and praying every day in the spirit I was so blessed with that and then one day I came and uh, and nothing happened Uh, and you know did the same things but nothing happened, it was like the heavens of brass and I, th- I was upset, I thought, what's going on? And I went to this guy who prayed for me and I said, look, it's not working, I, I can't do it. And, um, you know, he kind of gave me a knowing smile and, and you know, he said, it's okay, it's just the devil is, is trying to stop you praying. You just have to pray through it. And uh, I thought, well, wow, Okay. So I did that and and I I broke through again. It's like I broke through in prayer again. And so, you know, I had to stand in what Christ had got for me. And that does happen. The devil resists to the uttermost uh, any any movement of the Holy Spirit in us. And he doesn't want to know. And he'll do all sorts of things to stop it. So... um, we get into this understanding that there is this battle going on and we, you'll feel it in 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 yourself as uh, as you pray in, in tones or just open your heart up to god and it's like you've got two you've got two things living in you you've got you've got the kingdom of god and you've also got the, the devil's living there you know the devil is has got a, a stake in your life and he, he doesn't want to let go but you persist with God and the devil will be, be defeated. Do, you know, God, it tells us not not to march. We don't need to march against the enemy. We need to stand in what Christ has already done for us. And um, in, our, in our lives, there's like there are two thrones at war, God is claiming the earth for his dominion and Satan's seeking uh, to usurp the authority of God and the church is called to displace Satan from his present realm and to make Christ the head of all and uh, we, need, we need to get involved in that we need to see what's happening there and not be hoodwinked by the enemy into taking the easy way out saying no, I, I don't feel quite up to it today I'll, I'll not do it or I won't come to church or I won't pray in tongues We need to be resisting the work of the devil in our lives. And, and, you know, same for me. Everybody has this and we're all involved in it. And the only way that we can do it is by standing against what the devil's trying to do with us and and need to start putting on the armour of God that Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about having our waist clothed with the belt of truth And um, what is truth? Thy word is truth. God's word is the truth. And it is part and parcel of our standing against the devil. Unless we know the word of God, you will not have any of the pieces of armour that are mentioned in Ephesians 6. So the belt of truth, it keeps everything together and you need it. um, And it's the word of God. And we need to start and continue to learning Bible verses off by heart, preferably with the reference. Any good verse that you read, repeat it over to yourself about ten times until you you remember it or part of it. And I promise you, you will find that there will be a situation where you will feel at a loss. And that word that you learned, and, and it's been... You know forgotten about will pop up and if, if you look at the temptation of jesus in the wilderness he was tempted by the devil and every time he was tempted jesus hit back by giving a scripture to the devil and the devil had to leave you know when when at the end of his uh, 40 days in the wilderness the devil came and said oh look at that that stone aren't you hungry you know, why don't you turn that stone into bread? And Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil left him. So that's, that's uh, um, the, the word of God as, as the belt of truth. And having your breast clothed with a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is related to our walk with God. So we need to be sure, ensuring that we are walking in the Spirit so that we'll not be fulfilling the flesh. So that again, that's the word of God. And we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I, I, I'm trying to think what that means. What, what I, I see it as is that we, we should be thoroughly versed in our knowledge of exactly how people can be saved. Um, you know, that you, I've heard it said that you should be able to express in, within a minute, if somebody comes up to you and says, how can I be saved? You need to be able to explain that within a minute. And you need to be fully versed in a knowledge of how people can be saved. Basically, it's repent, believe, and confess. But, you know, you might have different ways of remembering it that are better for you. And then Paul says that you should have a secondary wall against, uh, uh, of protection against your, your, your chest with the shield of faith. Again, the shield of faith, faith in what? In the word of God. That's um, your your uh, protection, and a head clothed with the helmet of salvation. Um, Paul talks about the devil, you know, shooting uh, arrows against us to to disturb us and take our peace away. You know, oh, you're no good. you you're not a Christian. Call yourself a Christian. Um, nobody loves you. Uh, and but if you know what God says about you, and you know his word about you, that'll stop those fiery darts from hitting the target. And then, finally, he talks about holding the, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God again. Um, and, and you can slash the de- devil to ribbons with the word of God. So... Those are the three three um, areas that we need to think about maybe in prayer. Sitting and realising, visualising that we, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places and then taking it out with us as we go about our business. Walking in the spirit and then finally standing in the spirit against the wiles of the devil. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to commit ourselves to sitting in the heavenly places with Christ and walking in the Spirit in our daily lives and standing against the wiles of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. If you'd like to stand with me, we're going to close in worship.